welcome to episode 39 of Unsweetened and Unfiltered. My cheeks still hurt from laughing so much at the Well, She's Funny comedy show last night. You guys, okay, that was like my first ever real comedy show. And it was amazing because it was all Muslim women and ill Muslims and Penny Appeal hosted it. And I know we snapped it, so you guys probably seen it. But Wallahi, I've never been to a funnier comedy show. I know you, I said that was the only one I've ever been to, but I don't think I'll ever go to one that's even funnier than that one. I was sitting next to you and Dunya was <laughs> laughing at everything. <laughs> at everything. Like I, and sometimes I was like, oh shoot, did I just snort? Because you guys we had like yaz guru which everybody knows like it's, she was freaking amazing, amazing. If, well you guys might know her as yasmina shady but on instagram she's yaz guru dude like i was like in, you, did you guys ever watch that movie um i think it was called the nanny professor yeah where they go to a comedy show and then the guy was picking on um like eddie murphy or whatever i was like please do not pick up pick oh, on yeah, me i'd be why. so scared i would hate to sit in the front row because i'm like i would not know what to do in that situation girl i was like in the center so i was like please do not say anything <laughs> to me but i think we were like playing a safe it was just yeah. us girls so we did not get picked on but the point is she is so witty that she was just able to just like look at the audience and just say random funny yeah. jokes about everybody like it and they were lighthearted you guys she was not like when i say picking on people she wasn't like you know tearing yeah. up into pieces but it was so good so like i commend ill muslims and penny appeal for putting this together like we were advertising it like crazy because we want obviously to meet everybody at the right. chicago show and it was sold out it, it was, was sold out it, we were like sitting so it was just like a packed house basically. it makes me so proud to see like muslim females dominating a career that you typically don't want to see a lot of women in in general no. but to see muslim women doing their thing and doing it so hilariously it just like it's a good feeling yeah you know what i mean and it's awesome because i love comedy like my husband and i watch comedy shows on netflix but it's it's very different when you can actually relate to the jokes that's what i'm saying i think that's why we had such a good time yeah. because you guys like we're sitting in the audience but you don't feel like outsiders it's not like a white man making jokes that you kind of don't relate to mm -hmm. but it's like everything they were saying it's like oh my god like that's it's, why i yeah. couldn't stop laughing it was it was so good it was like when we put up events you guys i'm telling you do not miss out on them because yeah, it was so worth it was just worth it i loved it i enjoyed it so much and ill muslims like props to you guys for hosting such an incredible event yeah so girl how do you feel about turning 27 you know <laughs> i'm gonna keep reminding you you know like i don't care about turning 27 like it's just a number and i keep telling myself that uh, your face but, says otherwise i think you're trying uh, to believe me. i am that's like i'm mentally <laughs> you don't even to... look 27 mashallah like you don't but i don't know what that even means when somebody says you don't even look 30 like yeah. how does a 30 year old look like how does i am starting to now focus on like my mental age and not my physical age because nice. i feel like how i feel internally is really what matters does i think that that's sense? no it does make sense because i feel like the way you think on the inside is what like kind of shows up physically like when people say you know when you're working out and you're trying to lose weight and you're trying to do this and that and whatever it depends on what you put inside of your body exactly Same thing with your mind like what do you put inside of your mind is how you're going to present yourself to the world that's so smart you know what i mean because people kind of make you scared of getting older and older but it's like you know what i mean it doesn't even matter you don't even know what the next day is promised so why do we put emphasis on age so much like Age is such a huge deal in our society. And I mean, I'm not even talking about the Muslim era no, society. I'm all. talking about even like the media. Like you pick up a, a 17 magazine and they're always talking about like anti-age that and anti-age that. It's like, no, like, I mean, I'm all about anti-aging cream. Like I said, yeah, saying. I was going to say, like, like I started it in my early 20s because that's how much fear they put in you yeah, about wrinkles and stuff. But exactly. They're feeding you the fact that like age is a negative thing and we should just be blessed that we get to see another day. 
That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I, like I said, like, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. So I don't care how old I am or anything like that. Just experience life, honestly, to the fullest. And that's something that I have to remind myself. Like, I'm not just throwing it out there yeah. and acting like I, that's what I do every day. No, that's like, but you know what? It kind of brings us to our guest today, which is uh, Lena Batayeb. She is somebody that we recently, you know, followed each other on social media and because we love books. So that's how we connected online and everything. And I started looking at her page and I'm like, wow, it's like subhanAllah. Like, first of all, you guys, she is only 22 years old. And at the age of 16, she kind of went through a horrible car crash. It was her and her family. They were on their way to Umrah and there was a reckless driver that just crashed into their car. And the next second, all she remembers is just waking up in a hospital bed with just tied down to these life-saving machines, to these tubes. There was a, there was a tube in her mouth and everything. And I don't want to go too in-depth. She'll talk about that. But she kind of allowed me within that those few moments of like looking at her Instagram and her social media, just look at life in a different light because she's all about this movement, which she created, which is called Know Your Ability. And it's like, when somebody says that, what do you think of like the first thing that comes to mind, Zena, for you? Just physicality? Physical, yeah, physical yeah. ability. And it's much more than that. It's much more than that. And I think sometimes we forget that we were created by Allah. I, I don't think we kind of give credit to the entities that we hold. And when I talk about entities, I'm talking about our heart, our mind. There's just so much more to us that Allah pieces us together in a specific manner. And for and sometimes I don't think we utilize the gifts that were given to us when it comes to our mind. Like, do we even use it to our full capacity? Sometimes I feel like we're walking around like zombies and we're not appreciative of everything that we have it's so true it's so true because you really don't realize what you have until it's taken away yeah and i know that sounds so cliche but it's so true like we don't really we take for granted the things that we have we take for granted that we can see that we can hear that we can talk that we can walk and move and and like like lenix describes in her story it could be taken away in a matter of just one moment but you know what she also said? I like how she went on. Like, we're, I think we're giving know, the episode know, away. We need to. <laughs> it's just such a good you know episode. Why? It was such a good episode. So basically, we have Lena who went through this hardship. And now she's on the other side of it. And she's able to look back on this hardship and teach us what or kind of tell us what she has learned from going through this. And subhanAllah, like for somebody as young as her, like I said, she went through it at the age of 16, 17. And here she is only just 22 years old. She is so wise. She's very wise beyond her years. And that's why it kind of goes back to don't put so much emphasis on years and or how old you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's hardships in life that really shape us into who we are as experiences that really allow us to mature and see life in a different perspective, in a different light. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I want you guys to stick around for the outro so Zayn and I can basically tell you guys like our thoughts after sitting down with such an incredible woman, mashallah. Like I just can't, I'm so excited for her and what's like I know there's a lot more to come from her from somebody that has gone through something like this and is able to stay positive and I know positive is also cliche but her the way she stays positive is just it really opens up your eyes and your mind to what to really expect out of this dunya and what our purpose is um you know being born and being created by Allah basically yeah I mean just to give you a glimpse of what this episode is going to entail I have her Instagram open right now and in her bio it says how ironic that it was a car accident that paralyzed her only to further mobilize her and I think that's it's going to set the tone for the rest of the episode that was basically the theme yeah. of the episode are you ready to dive in I'm ready let's do it
Lena, I cannot begin to explain how honored we both are that you're here with us today talking and sharing your story. It's definitely one of inspiration, hope, and perseverance. I really want to dig into your story and everything that's happened to you. But before we get into that, can you just briefly introduce yourself to our listeners so they know they know who you are? Hey, so um, my name is Lena. I am 22 and I live in London. Um, I was born in Scotland and then moved to London um, at a very young age. And I am currently studying at university. That's how I can introduce myself. So I want to go into the day that completely changed your life. And in a way, it's almost as if you were reborn and more so your mind was reborn on this day. Can you take us through that day and what has happened to you? Okay, so I guess my life was diverted at the age of 16. Before this event that happened, I was just a stressed out teenager that was focusing on her her studies and trying to really excel in uh, wanting to do law, human rights law to be specific. Then one day, we, um, my family and I went to travel to Mecca in Saudi Arabia to do Umrah, which is a pilgrimage. And on the way there, we were hit by a reckless speeding driver who who basically crashed our car and left and then yeah and then that was the day where I was injured with many injuries including a spinal cord injury I don't remember any of it and then I just remember um waking up on a hospital bed with all these tubes connected to me like my nose my mouth and I was communicating through my eyes. So yeah, there was a big, big difference between before and after how I find myself. Yeah, I'm thinking like of myself in that situation, waking up in a hospital, not knowing what's happened to me, but only seeing all these really intimidating looking machines and, and medical equipment. What was going through your mind as you opened your eyes for the first time and see, seeing yourself in that bed? It was, there was just so much going on. I remember, yeah, not being able to speak, which was which was weirder than not being able to breathe because my, my existence revolves a lot around speaking and conversing and it was just weird that no sound was coming out. And then, yeah, I guess it was slowly just coming to terms with like something happened and it's pretty big and it's not a one day two day thing it's not a dream or a nightmare um this is a reality it was a one second life-changing event I would definitely say it's life-changing I mean here you are you guys are like excited it's you your family you guys are in a car together and you're on your way to Umrah which is like one of the best trips you could possibly be on especially with the one of the best people ever or it's your own family and then the next second you wake up in a hospital bed you didn't even know what happened to you because during the accident you were call us like you weren't even awake you know what I mean when did you figure out what happened to you I mean like Zaina said you're like plugged into these life-saving machines but yet the last memory you have is being in the car with your with your family on your way to a trip to Mecca how, how do you even comprehend what's going on let alone when did you even find out what actually happened and is your family even okay yeah no it was so weird because we were so excited to go to Mecca like I remember in the car I was sat right at the back we were just like laughing and dancing and singing we were just so so excited and I remember my dad had asked do you guys want to stop here or go straight to Mecca and we were like no 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 let's keep going let's keep going so it was just like such a contrast between being so excited for this trip and everyone was like so content 
and then all of a sudden it's like where is everyone literally there was just where is everyone what happened and then it was just like such a blur it's like what has happened what is happening where is everyone all of these questions that had no answers and then it's like one doctor saying something one out one doctor saying saying something else and then my dad not wanting to tell me the other thing like not wanting to tell me the whole story because he just doesn't want me to like I don't know come to terms with it. and then doctors telling my dad things that he I don't know doesn't want to hear I guess like the bad news and then it it was just bad ending to such a really really good night and when you say bad news, basically, Lena, like your dad had to come to terms with the fact that and he probably obviously had to find this out before you did. You had a spinal cord injury, which meant like you were paralyzed, right? I mean, reading the medical report, that's that's how I know these things. Like there were things like bleeding surrounding the brain and collapsed lungs and then a high level spinal cord injury that had to be immediately stabilized so it doesn't cause any further damage and inflammation. Um, so there was that side. In addition, my mother was also injured. So there was both of us and she had similar injuries and additional complications. So it was like having to deal with both of us at the same time was a bit a bit much on one's plate. I mean, I'm just trying to picture a healthy 16 year old who's in the prime of her life, so excited to go on this trip with her family. I mean, when you found out the doctor sat you down and they, they told you what was going on, I feel like in that moment, it's so hard. I mean, it's so easy to get depressed and to get down and to feel like this is the end. Is that something that was going through your mind at that moment? Like, what am I going to do now? Everyone was just like, you know, let's keep keep going, keep going. You know, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. Despite whatever anyone else said, like medically. Also, like several factors went into play. Like, A, there was my mom in the same boat. So I wasn't going to give up because she's in the same boat and I have to support her if I give up that's just going to be so so much harder on them and then through this blur and this like crazy time I just had a feeling of peace that everything's going to be good and everything's going to be fine in the end and that's when I felt like God was literally with me although I didn't have the answers and there were no answers at that time and there was like it was like a recipe for disaster and every like I had every excuse to give up and every excuse to be like, no, it's not going to be fine. But I just had this feeling of peace that is indescribable. I also am a type of person that I don't like to show sadness when I'm with people because I know that that will bring them sadness. So I will be sad when I'm by myself and not when I'm with people. I personally find that selfish because then it's going to affect them. That's just the way I think. And so for that reason, I was like, there's no way I'm going to even, I'm not even going to shed a tear when I'm, when I'm surrounded by others. Also, the nurses were just like, I spent a year in hospital. So in the beginning, the nurses I had, the nurses actually that I had throughout the whole year were just the best. They really looked after me. They kind of replaced that motherly love that I was missing by a bedside. Although I had like aunties and friends and like I always had people come visit, but the people that were there looking after me 24-7, the nurses, just gave me that like tenderness and that love and that uh, care, even just cleaning my room. All of that, I guess, like so many things helped during my hospital stay. It's interesting because I, I want people to understand the seriousness of what you've went through that you did spend a whole entire year in a couple of different hospitals. I mean, you 
had the accident in Saudi Arabia, far, far away from your home, and you spent six months in that hospital. Then you spent the other half of the year in a hospital in your, you know, in your city, which is London. And and how was your relationship? Like nurses are amazing; they do care for you, and I've seen that. And how, but how was your relationship with the doctor? Because now you kind of have to look at life in a different way, where now your life is kind of yes, Subhanallah, Allah is you know He's the one that at the end determines everything. But at the same time, right now in this dunya, the doctors are the ones who you know you put your life in their hands how is your relationship with them so during hospital i spent a lot of time reading and i read a lot of books written by doctors and i researched a lot of like eastern medicine and there were just so many different viewpoints and they were all doctors and physicians and health professionals so that's when i really came to terms with the fact that a doctor enters with a white coat but then as soon as they get home they take that white coat off and they remain a human. So that human can have an open mind and they can also have a narrow mind. So you can have, it is possible to have a narrow-minded doctor. So that's kind of what I told myself. And then from then I was just like, I have to be part of my things. Like I have to be my own doctor, not to seem like arrogant, but I have to do my own research and I have to be a participant in this conversation. There were series of factors that helped me with not taking everything that they say literally. I learned to then just listen and consider their opinion because some things are facts some things are opinion if it's something that a scan says okay that's a fact if it's an interpretation or prefer for you to do or like I prefer for you to take these drugs as opposed to these herbs or these like I don't know that preference is kind of an opinion in my mind anyway so certain things were for me were factual and certain things were their interpretation of things. My doctor in London came to my room and I had a book on my trolley and it was bright yellow and it was titled Mind of a Medicine. And she entered with a group of students. She picked up the book. It was kind of demeaning and she was looking at the title and she looked at me and she said, Vina, do you think you can really heal yourself with your mind? And in my head, I was like, oh my God, she actually put me on blast in front of these students. And I just said to her and I looked around at everyone that was looking at me like an exhibition. Because firstly, I didn't even like the fact that when students enter, well, from my experiences, they didn't even introduce themselves. And I would have to be like, hi, my name's Lena and who are you guys? Um, so already that. And then this remark and this question I said, no, for me, it's just important to read on different things because it then just opens your perspective on things. And then she just looked at me and she was like, okay. And she put it down and she went. For me, it was like I I had to kind of mute those kind of remarks and mute those questions and use those only to push me further. Yeah, that's infuriating because doctors are there to make you feel better. And the fact that she's putting you on blast in front of a bunch of strangers is doing the opposite. And it's kind of undermining your knowledge. I mean, you said you spent that year just reading and gathering the information that you needed to kind of, like you said, be your own doctor. Was there any point where you were like, okay, like, is there a specific moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to take what you're saying, but I'm going to do my own thing. Like, I'm going to follow my heart and what I think is best for me? So I think in the beginning, it, it was like me telling myself that no matter what I hear, I know and I believe in the body's ability to heal itself. This came from like zero medical knowledge. This was just like fake confidence. And 
slowly I started to just research using terms that I wanted to hear. So everything that I wanted to hear from doctors, I would type that onto Google or get my dad to print me articles surrounding that, like in a biased manner. And that helped me not consume things that I didn't want to hear. So that kind of built my confidence in the fact that there are other options out there. Reading a few case studies where people did heal themselves in different ways and Eastern medicine and all of that. I slowly had had this like belief inside of me that there are other ways, but I never professed it or shared it to the doctors or the medic, like medical professionals over there. Cause I just didn't want to hear one more person tell me or not even tell me, but just show me a remark or let off an energy that this girl is clouded by false hope. And also another thing that I would really tell myself is ever since we were kids, like we were taught, like if you fall, you pick yourself back up or at least you try to, right? Like ever, like from your walking moments as a little baby, you walk, you fall, and then you pick yourself back up. Even if that means you have to crawl to the sofa, to the couch, and then try to put your arm on, and then the other arm, and then try to stand up, you still try to get yourself back up. So it was like my entire life, my parents, my family, teachers, society has just taught me that if you fall, you try to pick yourself back up. And then all of a sudden, I have this injury where figuratively I've fallen, And I'm not going to at least try to pick myself back up. For me, it sounded like a paradox, like something's going wrong. Like we're not actually practicing what we're preaching. So for me, it was the try, the the fact that doctors and everyone in that field has just taken away the fact that we should at least try. So that's why for me, it was never false hope. It was the trying bit that I wanted to emphasize on. It wasn't the I'm going to be healed and I'm going to walk again. No, I'm going to try to. And then for me, and that also correlates with what Islam teaches me is that God has a plan, but you have to try everything within your capacity and your abilities to do what you can. And then whatever happens, happens, but at least you tried. That's how I kind of directed the way that I viewed the way that I wanted to to lead my, my recovery couple of things I want to know. I love how you said that a doctor at the end of the day is still a human being with a white coat. And I feel like sometimes we don't even trust our own selves or our own opinions. And we put our full trust in Allah's creations more so than Allah himself. You know what I mean? And I like the part where also... You know, I think a majority of us like always say, oh, leave it up to Allah. But then there's like a first part to that sentence. I feel like that's the second part. The first part is, like you said, try your best. When you make dua, don't just make dua and expect it to happen. I feel like sometimes we still have to work towards whatever we wish we want. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, Allah will either guide you and make you strengthen you in this journey towards what you want, or he's going to divert you to a different journey that's much better for you. But at the same time, you can't just sit there and be still and expect whatever you want to come to you. We have to meet everything in life halfway. And you know what? I seen on your social media page something that really kind of made me think a little bit deeper about life and seeing things from your perspective. You said something along the lines of, You know, you said this accident may have paralyzed you physically, but it actually further mobilized you. Like my ultimate goal, of course, is to walk again. And there is like, I want to heal everything back. But for me, I did tell myself that that is my my wish. And of course, that inshallah, that will always be my ultimate goal. But whether or not that happens, like for me, I don't know 
what is best for me. And that's what I kind of have kept telling myself, like I can only try, try, try. Then the outcome that comes out of it is what Allah sees as the best for me. Although I may say to myself, the best thing that can possibly happen to me is this. Or I don't know, like the best thing that can happen to me is I get this job or I end up with this guy. Like I know what is best for me, but it's like, for me, it's try, try, try. And then whatever comes is for me personally, what I think the best thing that can possibly happen. So that's why when like I've started to change my diets to not inshallah, I walk again, it's inshallah, I walk again, if it's what is best for me. So I think that is just a bit that I wanted to say is the, we don't really know what's best for us. We think we know, but it's not like we don't have that knowledge, right? I mean, subhanAllah, at the age of 16, did you think that you're, at, like Zaina said, the prime of your life, your early teens or mid-teens, and then you get into this car crash? You know what I mean? Even subhanAllah, you would never in a million years if somebody told you like, hey, you're going to get in a car crash, it's what's best for you. What would you have said to that? No way. Why yeah. would that be best for me? But subhanAllah, Allah allowed that to happen. And you're still on this journey of figuring out your life and what you're learning from this. But to Allah, to Allah, that car crash was what was best for you in that moment. SubhanAllah, how life works, right? That reminds me of something that my mom says. She, whenever like I'm applying for a job or I want something really bad, she goes, Inshallah, if it's right for you, you get it. And like when I was younger, I used to think, no, no, just say Inshallah, I get it. Like don't, you know, don't yeah. handle that extra stuff. But now I completely understand it. I mean, to be honest, in the beginning, like in the beginning stages in the hospital, like everyone would just like throw all this, like Allah this and Allah that and all these sayings. And, and for me, it was meaningless. Like at that time, it was meaningless. It was just lip service, like empty words. The whole, it'll be fine. All I don't know, all of the things that actually have so much value to them, it meant nothing. And I didn't want to hear any of it. And I would just silently mute it in my mind. Because for me, it was like, yeah, it's easy for you to say, it's such a repetitive phrase. It's something that you think it's just to fill the gap and it's the right thing to say, but it's like, no, you don't get it. And it was for me to then later on until today, just slowly understand those phrases in due time and through the experiences that follow that. And yeah, so in the beginning, I was just like, in my head, I was like, okay, just spare me this spare me these sayings like it really just doesn't it's meaningless at the moment to helping me back on my feet you know subhanallah also when it comes to what you said in regards to you know it further immobilized you I feel like kind of forget about our mental strength you know we we put that to the side and in forefront we put our physical strength because obviously you see it right there in front of you you can see if you're able to pick up things if you're able to run if you're able to do this or that but we kind of turned our minds off in this society I feel like we forget that Allah has especially today yes I feel like this is such an important entity that we hold that we possess that Allah has gifted to us is our minds you know what I mean subhanallah and yet we don't use it to its full capacity so I feel like when you went through this accident like you must have felt this sense of connection now to your mind because you're restrained to a hospital bed at this moment you you were paralyzed due to your spinal cord injury so you, did you almost feel like now it's like time to turn my mind on not that it was ever turned off Lena because Michelle you're very very bright but the fact of the no, matter no. is yeah it's now you have your mind to rely on how can you interpret that moment? Did you feel like you can now rely on your mental strength and that's kind of what you had to rely on at that point? I mean, my mind definitely saved me. And there were a few reasons. Why, I mean, and it's fair for you to say I had to switch it on because I definitely had to. Like, I 
it was a diversion from my physical body because and I think it's so so difficult especially at that age and at this age still it's still a challenge today um less of a challenge than in the beginning of course but it's still a challenge like it's not something that is it's not a switch that you can turn on and it just stays on like a light it's something that you consciously have to every step of the day keep on and even if it switches off that's fine but just know that it has to be off for a certain type certain period of time not for too long so for me firstly it's the I, I can't focus on my physical my physicality at the moment um especially in a society where today we are so body conscious like we literally sometimes we just present ourselves as our in our physical form we don't even have to forget mindset forget intellect forget character today sometimes we get this like a false image that your physicality is enough and we will treat you just by the way you look and for me it was like I try I don't like to focus on my physical well as much as before because my physical doesn't look the same as before I'm not walking I'm not standing I'm sat I'm on a chair and it's like what else can I hold on to and I was like I can hold on to my mind and that is something that I can harness and I can I can feed and I can nourish and that was alhamdulillah untouched and that's something I'm eternally grateful for like to read to write to speak that was untouched so that is that for me I, I told myself is something that I'm going to work on and value and hold sacred I really turned my focus on my internal appearance and that for me helped me so much because I then just put my worth mostly towards that towards my internal appearance that's what defines me then that's what I put effort into feeding every day and that's what kind of helped me sane also when you deal with paralysis it's very easy to break down it's very easy so you're gonna have to find a way to look at the situation a bit differently like one day you find yourself unable to just jump out of bed or just have a shower by yourself just like especially during the first moments and when you had to have other people look after you and clean you and feed you and and literally depending on others especially when I liked being an independent individual I didn't like asking people for help it was like how am I not going to break down so I really had to focus on my mind but when I say focus on my mind that's a whole like it's a literal construction I call it the mental garden and that for me is the construction site that I'm talking about because for me the mind is literally what powers us powers even our ability to believe in God so for me I would even place mindset before faith because actually they work hand in hand but I would still place your mindset at a similar level to faith because if you're not if you're mentally not in a good place like that's gonna really affect your ability to even believe so that's why I placed so much emphasis on uh, emphasis and importance on really working on this way of thinking this mind that is gonna affect my next action for me it was making sure that I plant certain seeds in this mental garden and water these seeds on a daily basis for then beautiful flowers to come out and these seeds some of them I would say so the first one was gratitude and more than just the cliche that this word has become it literally has like 
a transformational ability because if you for me it was if I just remind myself of the things that I have it tells me that what I have is all I need it's enough it's not I'm not lacking in anything that I need in order for me to live so that was it and I also told myself that okay let's say I have the ability like my ability to walk and a walk and grip and and sit properly like it's more than just the legs but my ability to move as I did before has been taken away from me but I was never entitled to it it is a blessing that was just taken away from me maybe for another blessing to be given back to me so having that taken away from me and I wasn't even entitled to it in the first place how can I complain that's what I tell myself and that is oh, maybe I didn't appreciate the blessing that I had in the first place. Or maybe it's for another blessing to be returned, to be given back to me. Maybe a more useful blessing or a more bigger blessing or one that I need more at this moment in my life for one that I can maybe use to help and impact a lot of people. That for me is the concept of gratitude. It's I'm not entitled to any any of this. I'm not entitled to any of it. They're all blessings. So when it's taken away from me, I can't really complain because I was never like entitled to it in the first place. And then the other seed that I tried to plant, like tried to plant from the beginning is perspective, is the way that I see it. Like I looked at myself, I said the event is not changing anytime soon, but what I can change is the way that I see this event. And I guess you call that perspective. It's the way that I see what's happening because it's not going to change it's like I don't know like for example you lose your car keys or they go down a drain it's gone down the drain at the moment are you going to scream and cry the keys are down the drain so your course of action has to change because the shouting and screaming and it's not going to really help the keys back up what you can change is the way that you react to it so you can I don't know call a friend or you can call up someone to break that sewer or you can just go get your other keys and get them replaced find something so for me it was just kind of thinking pragmatically like it's not really going to change right now but what I can control is how I react like I don't know if you've heard the saying of like your perspective shapes your reality that saying is so fitting because it's like the way that you perceive the event would then dictate or guide the way you act next and then that action step leads to another action leads to another action and then that is like your reality I guess Nina you are wise beyond your years like I'm sitting here like a bobblehead just nodding to everything you're saying because honestly I'm so moved by everything I mean and you said something that really stuck out to me you know we can sit here and be upset that we're you know something small in our life happens I mean like I run out of gas and sometimes I'm like, oh, like, oh my God, I'm so upset. But then you have this life-changing event and you're not letting it really affect your mental ability. And I have, I wish I could meet that doctor who scoffed at you because mind over medicine is a real thing. I could I'm, give you her email. Yes, I, I honestly, I'm going to send a very, <laughs> yeah, because mind over medicine is a real thing. Like you do have the power to change 
the perspective and, and the reality that you're in. Because if you were negative and you were down, I don't think you would be this bubbly, positive person sitting in front of us today. Yeah, and I do want to add to the fact of the matter is like, you know, some changes in our life, like some events in our lives that can happen can change one or two things about our lives. But the event that you went through, the car crash that you went through changed absolutely everything about your life. It's almost like you basically are starting over again with a blank slate. You have to relearn everything. And then it's like I have this different relationship. And I say this often in many episodes. I have this different relationship now with hardships. I think with age, not with age, but with experiences, you kind of, kind of like you said, perspective changes everything. You start to look at things differently. And when I look at a hardship, it's like, first of all, thank you, Allah. Uh, you are, you're obviously testing me because you do have love for me. And I think that's something that we need to hold on to. We have to understand that that means that Allah loves you and he's testing you up to your abilities like you can overcome any hardship that Allah gives you but at the same time you chose not to accept these terms and conditions that came with this hardship which the doctor was basically giving you saying that you are not gonna probably ever walk again you're never gonna do this or that or anything like that but you chose to utilize this gift from Allah, which is basically your mind. And I liked how when, you know, over the phone, you said something and it really touched me because you're like, I went inside that car alive and I still came out of that car alive. It takes a lot to be able to look at something so positively. And I feel like when it comes to hardships, I see them as a way to remove this veil over our eyes. And I feel like sometimes we're walking through this fog where we forget our blessings. And when Allah gives us this hardship, you start to see the things that you had from before and you're finally able to kind of be grateful for what you had subhanallah so is that how you feel like you're living your life right now hardships are hard like it's in the name like I'm not gonna say it's all rosy and I'm always bubbly and always looking at things positively that's a myth like hardships are bloody hard like they really push you to the end and I did have moments where silently and by myself where you break down and you cry and you weep and you beg and you ask for answers and you're just like, you literally just want to give up. I try to tell myself that these hardships, like if they turn a person or they have the ability of turning a person to become like more wiser or stronger or more appreciative, or more compassionate, or less angry. I think it's fair enough for us to ask the question, is it entirely bad? Like, is it a bad thing? If it made us all of this, like, I try to think of it as like, I don't know if you guys, I think you guys have it in the States, like car wash. Yes, we do. <laughs> you know, there's also sorry. <laughs> so there's automatic car washes, where you put the car through, and then Obviously, the car enters dirty and then it gets battered and hit from all corners, from the top, from the sides and everywhere. And then it comes out clean, right? Through this experience of like being hit from every corner, then you come out of it cleaner. But like, I mean, stronger and whatever hardship has done to someone. That's how I kind of think of it. And I mean... Hardships don't automatically do that to you. Like you have to work through it in order for it to allow you to come out of it clearer, right? And you see the light. And it's funny how you mentioned clean slate because right before my accident, so I was studying for my uh, my exams. The day before, two days before, I was studying my, uh, revising psychology and we were learning about how babies are tabula rasa, which is Latin for blank slate. 
so we were learning about that and conditioning and and how a baby is basically blank slate and then a few days after that I was literally had to start off as a blank slate learn how to do everything again so it was like um was this a sign you know what's also interesting sorry we have you guys who's listening we have a lot of conversations with our guests off mic and sometimes it's like I wish I could even record those conversations but I you you kind of opened my eyes to this because we can all agree you know us three women here that are sitting down we're Muslim we were born Muslim so we were we were never having to be introduced to the religion we were born into the religion you said something along the lines where you felt like you learned Islam twice. And subhanAllah, I feel like, and maybe Zaina, you can agree, when you go through a hardship, you have this new connection to our faith. You see it in a different light. You actually, because there's a difference between being born into a religion and actually connecting to our religion, understanding. And you said something earlier, Lena, about how, when you know, you can, you can practice our religion physically. You can roll out a rug in front of you and pray the five times a day. But what is the point of praying if you're saying these words that might not mean anything to you? You have to use your mind. Your mind does go hand in hand with our faith. This is why I say it's a gift from Allah to have our mind because it's our mind that interprets the words that are coming from the Quran, that, you know, the words of Allah. So it's like, that's how you connect to our religion. But can you go deep into what you meant by learning Islam twice and how you've, you know, when did you learn it the second time around? For me, it was just like practices. Like you're taught from a young age, like how to pray and who Allah is, what not to do, what's haram. Like you're just taught these practices and you're taught these stories and you're taught, and I guess you just kind of repeat them and, and you just do as you're told, I guess. And sometimes it's without understanding. For me personally, it was it was that like, I actually had a conversation with my mum before my accident. I think I was about 15, 14, 15, and we were standing in the kitchen and I asked her about feeling the connection to God as opposed to just doing what God told us to do. So the khushua, like how do you, how do you teach that feeling? Like how can you teach a closeness to God as opposed to just the practices? Like it's easy to teach practices and and stories and, and verses, but how do you ignite that love and that connection? And my mom said, for her, it was through experiences, like through what life kind of taught her. And it was like, okay, cool story. And then <laughs> forward a couple of years down my life and I understood exactly what that meant. That's when I felt like I had learned Islam a second time because I felt it and I started to understand exactly what it means to not be lonely, exactly what it means when God says, like when divert your attention to patience be like be patient and pray that we are never alone like that like I was I was alone but I never felt lonely like during certain times in in the hospital especially during the night where visitation hours are over I never felt lonely although I was very alone and and this injury can be very lonely even if you have a thousand people around you you can feel very, very lonely because no one actually truly understands exactly how you feel. I never felt and I never feel and I hope I never, ever do feel alone. Yeah, just just so many verses that resonate with me. And at different moments during this whole like experience, sometimes certain verses I maybe heard like time and time again, but it didn't mean anything in that particular time. And at that time, it just brings me to tears. And I'm just like... 
hold up and I'm like I just repeat and it might just be a few words but it's like oh my god like that and that's where you know when like scholars or people talk about like the the gravity of the words if you enjoy poetry or like words like hold such value like trying to convey convey something and that's obviously Allah trying to speak to us through these words like like I said in the beginning like I didn't these words didn't mean anything to me in the beginning like in the beginning when I was freshly injured I guess it didn't mean anything I didn't really want to hear it I remember even in Saudi they would have someone come every day sit next to me and they would just read Quran and talk to me about these stories and for me it was just like didn't mean like I obviously believed in God and all of that and didn't even mean anything yeah and then later on when I had my own time and space then that's when it wasn't kind of forced on me and by forced I mean like it wasn't just like but it wasn't like fed to you where you weren't ready to kind of like digest it and absorb it. You have to absorb it in your own way and learn it in your own way. And I think, you know, for me, it's through lectures. Like that's what works for me when I go to lectures, Lena, like that's when I'm like, wow, like subhanAllah, our religion is so beautiful. But for you, it was your hardship and having time alone with yourself that you started to realize like, I, I'm slowly really connecting, reconnecting to our religion in your own way, not spoon fed to you, basically. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I think we all go through moments in our life where religion kind of becomes routine. Like Salah becomes a routine. It becomes like a wedge of like, oh, we have to do this. I have to get up. But it's not something that like, I mean, I'm saying Alhamdulillah right now, I do feel like I want to pray. I want to do that. But when I was younger, especially, it was kind of like a chore. Like That's I had such a good point, Zaina, between I have to and versus I, I want, want to. to. Yeah. Yes. But I feel like, and I think we've said this on the podcast a few times, Allah truly loves the people he gives hardships to because he wants to give them that second chance. He wants to bring him, bring those closer to him. So, I mean, we look at hardships as something negative, but I believe that Allah is really sending us these, these struggles and these hardships because he wants us to come to him. There are blessings that come with extra effort that needs to come with extra effort from your end, basically. I think everything that's coming from Allah is a blessing. And I, I want to move on to this amazing movement that you started, Lena, and it's something that I'm slowly resonating with and I'm realizing like, yeah, it's called the Kaita movement. I, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, but what it stands for is know your true ability. And this is something that you're able to embody through and through. Can you talk to us about that movement? So Know Your True Ability is basically a message that I wanted to demonstrate because it's kind of a mantra that I live by and I try to be an example of. I added movement onto it because I was hoping that it would mobilize people. So the word, it was kind of like a play on, on the word, but I hope that it's not seen as like, it's a movement, oh my God. Like, I don't know, like I feel like everyone's starting a movement and for me it was like to mobilize, I guess, mentally. I, I think so from from my time in hospital, I it was so weird because I would just see all these patients who were just fully physically able. It was like mentally they were disabling themselves through the way that they thought and the way that they acted. I remember older man in hospital, we were having a conversation and he was saying how unfortunate, and he used another word, like something along the lines of like, it's the worst thing that could possibly happen to you kind of thing, that it's that this has happened to you at a young age and, and you know, like kind of like, what are you going to do? That was like, I'm just paraphrasing. So it was like, and he was just fully able, like physically. 
and it was just so weird because I'm like we think so differently but yet physically we are also very different like physically I am very paralyzed physically you are very mobile not paralyzed mentally I would class myself as very mobile because I've got all these crazy ideas and plans and like running about and you are just placing limits on the way that you're thinking so it's like you really are paralyzing your mind right now so for me it was and then just so many like things on the daily basis like remarks and questions from the day I was in hospital like even visitors and and sometimes it's not it's not intentional even doctors like it's like having uh, a meeting with them and then they would just be like you know I'm so sorry for you I feel so sorry for you or it was just like so many remarks that were just pessimistic and it was like all these limits that were not needed were being placed around the way that they thought and it's like and then after that it's like when I left hospital this bubble I was just like I spent a lot of time just like analyzing and just like just like watching and and taking in everything around me and it was like I'm so bored I don't know what to do with my life and I don't know what to get into and and it was like you guys are so physically able you guys have so much and it was so weird because society would class me as quote-unquote disabled although I don't use that term okay yes theoretically I am unable to do certain things but it's like but so are you like but just in a different way and a lot of it is self-inflicted and for me it was just like this it just didn't make sense it was like I was it was so weird because so many remarks I would receive it's just like oh I'm the one lacking something and everyone else is complete physically if you're okay halas you're you are complete but it's like you're physically okay but that but yet you're telling me that it's okay it's okay I don't know like stay in bed just rest you'll you'll heal one day or it's okay like my son is also in a similar position but we uh this was in Saudi she said my son is also in a similar position but we basically we built stuff inside the house for him to be basically like be able to like live within the house and not be bored and it was like but why don't you allow him to go out why don't you and it was like no like he's on a chair it's it's he's just not part of society anymore and it's like just it was just such a weird there was it was just a weird reception of so many disabling thoughts and for me I was just like for me the true handicap and the true disability and the true paralysis is that of the mind like I don't know if you guys know of Stephen Hawking's or watched the theory of everything which was a movie um following his life a he didn't even have faith he was an atheist b he had a condition that was deteriorating like he would slowly lose movement all the way up to like the inability to like to speak and to eat he still pushed through and he still was like I'm still going to teach and he then was able to speak through a monitor but he still went on till the day he died he went attended conferences and events and taught the world and still went on to study and it's like that's a big lesson for all of us and this guy didn't even have faith so it was solely his mind and his mindset i think he was diagnosed at the age of 21 and he um 
received this news from the doctor and the doctor was saying you have ALS and this is what's going to happen and what Stephen Hawking's responded with was what about my mind and the doctor says well that doesn't get affected and I think that's such a powerful lesson for all of us to be like this guy literally just had his mind and the ability to blink I think and he still continued till the very end we really don't have excuses (laughs) absolutely not and I completely agree with you Lena and you said something along the lines like you know we, you, you had a physical injury happen to you, but I think a, a worse injury would be the injury of the mind. And I think that's when this is a gift that we don't use to its full potential. And sometimes we forget that we can use it to that extent. And it's subhanAllah, like we, ju- we do judge a book by its cover. We look at somebody and you, and like you said, the word disabled and we, we classify you as disabled, but look how able-minded you are. Look how open-minded you are, how much you're teaching yourself and how you're viewing the world in such a different perspective than you and I, Zena, who are able to walk Walk, walk up and go anywhere we want but subhanallah we're actually sometimes tied we tie ourselves down to our limitations but here you are making sure that you don't tie down yourself to the terms and conditions that life has given you you're allowing yourself to see what Allah has given you which is this gift of a hardship that has opened your mind to so much more and you are not somebody that's limited and I, I love that you are setting goals for yourself as well because you know, victimizing ourselves is done so often because it is the easy route. It's it's you want to victimize yes. yourself because you kind of want to give yourself this excuse that you can't do this, you can't do that because this is what happened to me and halas. These are the cards that I was dealt with. But you said, no, that's not how you basically want to live your life. And you gave your life a purpose again. And you are looking at everything that slowly that you're, you know, you're able to move here and there. You're you're able to mobilize in certain ways where you can, you have arm movement. You also gain some mobility in that as well, right? Also, I have tiny activation on my legs and I have movement, I would say, down to my hips. So like stronger movement. Yeah. And you were told you were never going to gain that, right? When you first came out of the hospital, they told you you would probably never regain that movement. Yeah, I mean, anything from like below the upper chest down. And that's what I'm trying to get at is your movement is so powerful. It's just four simple words, know your ability. And sometimes we tie down our ability. We define our ability by our physical movement. But there's just so much more to our bodies that Allah has gifted us with. Like every single from our eyelashes to everything, Allah has given it a specific purpose for us to utilize it. I really want to thank you, Lena, for sitting down with us, for sharing your story with us. Because, and I and I like that you did emphasize that a hardship, as much of a, as much as it's a blessing, it's still very, very hard. And you're somebody who decided to just really value life and not, like I said, not victimize yourself. I just want to thank you for this sit down, for this conversation. I I really hope that it opens the minds, especially the minds, but the eyes of others that are listening to really just be grateful for what you have. Be grateful that you might not want to wake up to and go to your, your job, but you're able to wake up. You're able to breathe. You're able to feed yourself. You're able to go wherever you want. We limit ourselves in this dunya. And so true. So, so true. But before we let you go, because I think this was a very serious <laughs> conversation and I, we want to ask you real quick, fun questions, rapid fire yeah. that we did not prepare you for. So we really want to <laughs> okay. know Let's do it. what you think. Zany, you want to go with the first one? Yes. The first one is, what is your favorite movie? Ooh, dun, dun, dun. My favorite movie has to be classic. So like 
Matilda, I think, because it just reminds me of like being a kid, having no responsibility, no stress. I love Matilda. That's a but good I one. Miss Trunchbull. Yes. <laughs> she scares me to this day. But that chocolate cake looks so good. <laughs> it will remind you of like uh, Priscilla's chocolate cake. It does. But Lena, I really feel like Matilda is kind of she kind of reminds me of you because she had these people around her telling her you can't do this you can't do that which were her own I parents wish i had her power to be able to do things with her eyes or her yes. <laughs> she would close those curtains with <laughs> but she didn't allow herself to be you know to allow these limitations to suppress her look yeah. at what she became in the movie my favorite movie i agree with you 100 percent. that's a good movie what's the next one i forgot your worst pet peeve um, my biggest pet peeve. Let's go superficial, okay? <laughs> yes. If you take like the last thing out of a packet and then you just leave the packet there, like maybe just put it in, I don't know, just like things that are just logical. I don't know, like if you're going to unwrap something, just leave the wrapper. Maybe just put the wrapper in the bin. Or if you're going to the kitchen and you're passing an empty cup, take the cup with you. I think it's being considerate. Just be considerate yeah. and mindful oh God, you know what? of the next person. Consideration is something. Oh my God, that is definitely it. For me, is a big, big one. If you're inconsiderate, let's put that as a pet peeve. So the last one is, if you could be anywhere in the world, where would you be? And what would you be doing? Oh my God, anywhere hot. <laughs> freezing right now so i think all three of us can agree we would like to be laying on a beach right now in a very nice sunny place so, so i think tropical. that's a that's a good one i, I agree with that yeah. one before we let you go can you share your social media handle because i feel like there's just you have so much in the works there's so much that people can really appreciate from the knowledge that you give within your captions and what you share online what's the best way that people can reach you or find you on social media what is your social media handle so I mainly just use Instagram and it is at Lena the Dreamer. So once again, Lena, we really appreciate everything that you have done and everything that you have said and you've really opened our eyes and mashallah for somebody so young, you're so knowledgeable. So thank you so much for this conversation. And I really can't wait to see what else you have in store for us and the rest of the world and for yourself. Oh, thank you for conversing with me. I guess it was it was like a pleasant conversation. It was it's not even like an interview. It was like a comfortable chat with a girl. I kind of did this for selfish reasons because I, I love sitting down and listening to somebody's like new different perspective on life. And you've really kind of within this just one hour conversation just grounded me and allowed me to see ourselves in a different light and see that life is truly wallah, a gift as cliche as that sounds it really really is and i just try i try to share what i've learned thank you so much lena have we'll a good one girl soon. take care you guys big big hugs bye love welcome back to our unfiltered afterthoughts what I'm about to say right now is going to come off as so minimal, so small compared to the incredible and uplifting story that we just heard, but I'm going to say it anyways. Two years ago, I injured my knee at the gym. I wasn't doing anything extreme. I just like twisted it the wrong way or whatever. Um, and for a few weeks after that, I had to be on crutches and I had to be in a brace and I had to have doctor's appointments after doctor's appointments. And I was almost going to have surgery and it was like a big thing to me at that moment. 
And I was so upset that like, I couldn't go out. I couldn't wear my favorite shoes because, you know, the heels would hurt my, my knee or whatever it is. And it's something so small. And I knew it was an injury that was going to heal itself within time. But in that moment, I only saw the negative in it. And it's so inspirational to hear someone who's literally paralyzed from a car accident that changed her entire, the course of her entire life. And to see her so positive and to see it, in such a positive way, it makes me feel like crap for thinking the way that I thought back then. I don't want us to always minimize our hardships because I agree with you. Yeah. I was in that same boat and I felt the same way. You guys, because I'm short, it was Eid <laughs> and I was getting on top of what are those things called? Like, um, not a step stool, but it was like, whatever, let's just call it a step stool. But you know what I mean? What you, where you put your feet on top of. I was putting the step stool in my closet to kind of grab something on top of on the shelf. I don't know where, I don't know how it happened. All of a sudden I see myself just, I fell basically. And yeah. I fell. So my arm got squished between my body and the step stool. So I kind of like fractured in a way my oh, elbow. Wow. But like using, I was having these like superficial thoughts i guess like how am i supposed to get ready it's my right arm what the heck and everything like that but do you see how we quickly like resorted to the negative to the to victimizing ourselves and like you're i knew my arm was gonna heal yeah. like how you knew that you were gonna heal but you have lena somebody that also very young and this is probably the first like major hardship that you kind of have to go through that she went through is a car crash i mean that's i don't know i've never been in a car crash like that where it's left me immobilized but she was able to not victimize herself and i like when she said that she took the doctor's opinion opinions but she also kind of really believed in herself and knew that she also knew what's best for her and I think that's amazing do your own research I think that's like a big takeaway is like take what the doctors are saying with to you with a grain of salt don't just believe what they're saying because doctors are people like she said like doctors are just humans at the end of the day and we have to go into these situations knowing what's best for us following our hearts because if she did listen to the doctor, I think she would have not have tried to walk, not have tried to gain her mobility, tried to, you know what I mean? Like go into these situations with faith. You know what? But I don't, you're so right. And I think sometimes like for her situation, it was the doctor, but our situation just life in general the people you surround yourself with yeah i think there's a lot of people that always kind of give you their opinions and sometimes i think in today's society we fear you know kind of like doing things the wrong way because then we're going to get embarrassed and everybody's going to have their own opinion and they're going to say something sometimes we really don't know our true ability and we don't push ourselves to kind of go after our goals go after our passions because we don't think we're good enough in a sense and subhanallah we actually are you're capable of doing whatever you put your mind to and i think that's what she did in her situation it was a doctor and our situations in it could be just anybody that we surround ourselves yeah. with sometimes it's who you sit across from a, a, across from a table is a person that can kind of like veer you away from your dreams and passions or they can push you towards it but it's up to you to decide what you which route you want to take and absolutely I, and i think we really need to believe in ourselves and i think we are like i said very capable of so much so much more than what we think we are yeah i mean we said during the episode that our mind is such a powerful good thing but i also think our mind can be our worst enemy yeah because it, it creates these like strains and these like shackles and it kind of like just puts us in these boxes when really those boxes are just made up like they don't exist sometimes yeah like you said it's, it doesn't have to always be external it can't always be like some it's sometimes you you can be your own worst enemy yeah. 
I, I really love this episode. Me I love too. this talk. I like talks like this where I get to see life from a different perspective, from a different lens, especially somebody that has gone through the hardship that sh- that Lena has gone through. It really teaches you about life and allows you to walk away with kind of this new sense of like purpose and understanding that we do take life for granted. And you really, really do not know when your last day is. I mean, they don't say life is short for no reason at all, just to say it. Really, life, subhanAllah, is just the shortest ever. You, you don't even know... I mean, even when we look at our grandparents who we lost and everything like that, you think they lived a long life, but then when they pass away, you realize like, wow, like within a, you know, I wish I had more time with them. Or your parents or friends or anything. You wish you had more time with them. So you're always yearning for that extra time. So please, like, I think we need to really utilize the time that we have in this dunya and to fulfill our purpose in this world, basically. Absolutely. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a review. And I really want to thank the ladies of last week that left us reviews on our, you know, the Apple podcast app, because I think that's the only one that you can leave a review on. It really means a lot to us that you do take the time out of your day to write that review because I understand everybody's busy. Everybody has their own tasks that they have to do, family that they have to tend to and everything. So when you take that time out to do that for us, I I, I don't know, we're, we're truly grateful. Like I feel so indebted to these women yeah. that take the time out to praise us. I think it's hard in today's world to praise one another. I think we put so much work into this podcast. So even those few words of encouragement really push us. Yeah, it really does. So thank you to the ladies who have recently given us reviews. Thank you to the ladies from day one that have given us yeah. reviews it really means a lot like i said so please you guys stick around for next week for more episodes to come we truly appreciate all the support that you have given us and inshallah we continue inspiring you ladies through these conversations with incredible women that we get to conversate with thank you bye